listening to Rosehead, the definitive soccer podcast. And after the dust has settled on football not coming home, we tearfully pick ourselves up and look ahead to the new season. As freshly crowned King of South America, Leo Messi returns to Barcelona and is rewarded with a pay cut. PSG carry on being thrifty, signing Euro superstar Donnarumma on a free. And we look back on the England team that covered themselves in glory, but some fans who very much did not. Uh, Hannah East is here as always. Hi, Hannah. Shabba. Shabba. <laughs> as is Mike Stavry. You right, Mike? Hello. Yeah, slowly getting over it, but uh, still not quite there. I'd say I'm about 88% over England losing in the final. Almost. Did your holiday help? Uh, yes and no, when I described to you what the environment was uh, that I watched the football in, which we'll get into. On yeah. So what, so what is, in my head, it's kind of like Wicker Man. Like, have you ever seen the film Deliverance? Um, with the like the toothless yokels playing banjos <laughs> and basically some like city hikers turn up and they all try and like murder them and and uh, have non-consensual sex with them and stuff it's a very it's a very is that grim... what you did mike <laughs> what, a, what a trip <laughs> i'm not um, liberty to disclose that <laughs> with the, yeah the case is ongoing but it paints a very uh <laughs> it paints a very grim picture of, of hillbillies and that's the sort of the, the pub I imagine Mike in looking around and there's sort of people spitting in spittoons and sawdust and it's like you ain't from here are you boy <laughs> all that kind of stuff was it like that Mike yeah it was very much like that and the weirdest thing was that struck me straight away is that um the kitchen was closed which is fine you know that happens but um I immediately walked in and to my left there was someone eating a Chinese in inside the pub like a Chinese takeaway um so they'd obviously said to them look the kitchen is closed so just bring in whatever food you want and there was someone having chinese to my left this is during the game by the way um someone having uh a chippy to my right and it just made me feel so uncomfortable because i'm like the children on england this guy's like tucking into a pickled egg and i'm like this is this is not like football like as a football purist i was just like i feel very uncomfortable like the the, the most food you should have at at football is maybe a few crisps, a few nuts. But when you start diving into like a Chinese takeaway chicken chow mein, it feels wrong. It felt horrible. So, yeah. Fine. yeah, but half time though, I'm, I'm talking about like during the match, like when England are in full flow attack, stuff like that. It feels wrong. Can I just say, you took your girlfriend away on a romantic holiday <laughs> and the highlights were there was someone eating a Chinese in the pub and the room smelt of sewage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the guy next to with a pickled egg. <laughs> yeah. Five-star like dining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the most romantic. I mean, to, to be fair, I think I made everyone's life a nightmare because I was like, we have to go to the pub. Like, I cannot sit at home um, and watch yeah. and, and watch England for the final. I was just like, we had, so I think I ruined everyone's uh, holiday quite early on on the first day. So other than that, a really lovely trip. <laughs> I, I feel a little bit snobby because you, you two were talking about your locations for watching the match. I sat and had, um, as a little treat, I had an avocado sandwich and a bottle of champagne. Oh, Hannah. <laughs> sat, with, sat with eight Italian people watching the match. That is... Yeah. That was it. Sacrilege. Day. Yeah. You've got, you got a lot of different layers, haven't you, Hannah East? I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what day it is as to how you get me. Because I've never seen the avocado wrap and champagne side. I have seen the sort of like 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> an extra an extra from Shameless. <laughs> yeah. Which is me 90% of the time. Um but yeah, the avocado sandwich and champagne was I was preempting uh like a, a better result, I think. Um but there's a lot of disappointment, isn't there, from a, a lot of English fans, Joe. Yeah, there is, there is Hannah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how how did you feel the day after? I just really felt it was a missed opportunity for England. I really mm. did. I felt like we played to get to the penalty point. We have a terrible history when it comes to penalties. Um, and in, in my opinion, I just felt like it was a, a missed opportunity is all I'm going to say, really. And, you know, a, a penalty, when you go to penalty shootouts, it's a flick of a coin. It's it's irrelevant at, at that point. Um, I just, yeah, I just felt really, really disappointed. Like most people did. It was a huge, huge chance for us to write history and, and have such a, an amazing experience and we've enjoyed the Euros going throughout the whole tournament. Mm. We got so far, we did so well, but on the positives, I think we did really well to get there. I know I said that I, I didn't think we were going to win at the end. I felt really bad for saying that, but when I, when the match finished, I just thought, I know why I said that. I know why I thought we wouldn't just get past that line. I think really negative. <laughs> Sorry. What, no, but what I find particularly galling is okay, we we were quite negative during the game, but we drew we drew the game. Yeah. And then yeah. penalties isn't really football. Penalties is something, it's a totally yeah. different game. And to be fair, I never thought we would win the penalty shootout. I absolutely, I had no, in a way, I wasn't devastated when we lost the penalty shootout because I've never been more certain we would lose a penalty shootout. Yeah. I just, I just, I just thought we didn't have the personnel to get through it. But I find it just, we drew the game. So, we, and then it's just random chance about who wins the entire tournament. And also what I find really hard is the spell breaks like immediately. So the pub I was in, within 10 minutes of the final whistle, I looked around and 80% of the people had gone. And it was right. kind of like those people who just get into England for a tournament. And that's great because that's what gives it that huge, mad groundswell yeah. of support. But they're kind of like, oh, well, off I go, never mind. And everybody else, the real football fans, us, we're left there because it means so much to us. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of left there, head in hands, and we've got to do it all again. Whereas for them, it's just a bit of fun for four weeks. And for us, it's much more important than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Mike, reflecting a few days after, how do you feel? Yeah, so I was probably similar to you. I mean, I I felt that when you have such a positive start in a, in a final and you score that quickly, I feel like you have to take advantage of it. And I feel like we didn't. Um, we should have gone on the front foot more, tried to get a second because we always knew that the, the Italians were gonna gonna make life difficult. And to be honest, like after thirty minutes, I think we probably knew the outcome of the game. We knew the Italians weren't gonna blow us away, but we knew that they'd get back and um, and really make it tricky, which which they did. So I feel like in that period after we scored, you just sort of take a bit of a risk and say, right, well, we need to score again. To, to ensure it because once it goes 2-0 I think they, they struggle a little bit yeah. to be honest and you always feel much more comfortable holding that scoreline but yeah I mean I, I was the same as you Joe I, I always thought we were going to lose penalty shootout just didn't didn't have the right players um, mm -hmm. get into the order of the kickers as well but uh, I'm not going to lie when Bukayo Sako missed I actually did shed several tears because it was just an awful moment because we'd all been building up to it um, and especially for me as an Arsenal fan as well, like this guy, I've watched him from the academy and he's such a, like, an amazing talent. And to watch him, it was quite heartbreaking, to be honest. But, you know, upon reflection, I feel like um, in terms of what it did for the country at, at such a you know difficult time, 
the lift it gave us all, I feel like it's done more positive than, than negative. Obviously, there's going to be a few um, that take it too far, that do things that are extremely wrong. But I feel like on the whole, it was received very well. I mean, like to see like Mrs. Stavrou as well, like cheering about football. <laughs> like that's sort of what it's all about. Like she has no clue about football, Doris. but was screaming. Doris, <laughs> Doris Stavrou, my mother, yeah. Um, it is Doris, it, isn't it? it? Yeah, it is Doris, yeah. I've never forgotten that, yeah. Doris Stavrou, please don't look her up. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's what it's all about. Like, you know, yeah. a, a sort of I like... I have to look her up. Do I, Doris? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. <laughs> please don't put the kids out of that, Joe. We don't, because you know, you know what it is? Because your background is so dark, like, it makes it even more creepy <laughs> as to what could be going on behind there. But uh, anyway... Sorry, sorry, so weird. Sorry, mate. You took it there. You took it there. But yeah, that's um, a, those those are my thoughts on oh, minor stories. <laughs> yeah, I think we should probably talk about the crowd trouble at Wembley and about the racism afterwards, the kind of the tweets and stuff like that. I think kind of if you're listening in America, that might have been the stuff that's kind of reached you over there, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's a news story. I think the thing that I really, really want to emphasise is the people who cause trouble at football matches are less than 1% of those in attendance. I really do believe that. And I think those people who were causing trouble at Wembley and stuff on last Sunday, I've never been to the football with anybody like that. I don't know anybody like that. I don't feel like they're football fans. I just think they're drunken idiots, to be honest. And I think they're pretty much scumbags and they let themselves and the team down. On the racism front, I do think, I think it's an even smaller minority than that. But those people, any kind of, any amount of people, even if it's just one person kind of dripping that poison out and putting it out into the public sphere is is too Mm -hmm. many. And I think what scares me as a football fan in England is growing up and going, I've been going to God, White Hart Lane since like 1995, I think. And I've never seen any racism. And it's only been in the last three or four years that overt racism has started to come back into football because I know it was a part of it. It's not something I ever witnessed. I thought I was born and became a fan after the bad old days. And now that I'm in my 30s and there's this, this small subculture of racist scumbags making themselves heard again, that scares me because we're meant to we're meant to progress as time moves on we're not meant to go backwards um there is no right or wrong answer but i mean hannah what what do you think can be done or should be done to stop people like this ruining the game well i think um from from my perspective i'm looking at the point of view from a mum so i i feel i've been very fortunate that like yourself joe i haven't seen i haven't witnessed uh, this before mm. and now we're having the opportunity to view things online so we're watching videos of girls on trains or guys and fights and and crime and and seeing racial abuse now I wouldn't have seen all that stuff if it wasn't for um, things being available online on snapchat instagram and, and facebook etc and these these silly little people that are like trolling um, players and people that we as you know doing this podcast now and people listening respect these players 
regardless of of race or age or gender, anything like that. And Mm. unfortunately, we're in a society now where it is acceptable for people to be able to hide behind a computer and and send uh, racist abuse to people that we respect and love, whether they've missed a penalty, whether they had a terrible match, whether they were on the bench, it doesn't matter. They've made up a team. And as Mike said, we've had an amazing summer and this is what everybody Mm. needed, regardless of whether England won or not. We got through to the final and that was an amazing opportunity for people to unite, come together. Um, I'm not reeling off a speech here, but basically to answer your question, (laughs) I feel that more should be done online to stop these silly little children and people that think it's acceptable to have their viewpoint be heard when actually their viewpoint is is horrendous and they shouldn't be allowed to do this and it's not you know young people it's adults it's people older than us that think that that's acceptable and they've been given a platform so i think straight away things need to be stopped online because that's just where people are getting horrific abuse Um, and people should be banned from going and watching any they should not have the privilege of being able to watch a football match if they if they've uh, displayed any racist racist behavior it's disgusting and it's embarrassing for us as a nation that Mm. people will read this and see this in the press and and they'll like you say it's like a very small percentage but it makes up and and tarnishes um our, our performance with a, an awful light and it shouldn't have ha- it shouldn't be that way yeah absolutely i mean I, I, no I, could, I couldn't agree more but like mike is it is a case of twitter in particular twitter is a cesspit of hate isn't it and everybody just wants a reaction and and they will say the worst thing possible because it gets them attention which is another just pathetic facet of modern society but instagram for example instagram doesn't allow certain types of content and if you look at instagram it's quite a lovely fluffy cheery platform generally speaking but twitter you don't have to have an account that is linked necessarily to a verified email address or a phone number or an address so these people are totally unaccountable and if you did that at a football stadium if you did that at the emirates for example and you were caught you would never be allowed to go to the emirates again that would Mm -hmm. be it simple which is absolutely the right punishment so why not if you do that on twitter it's the same thing that's it okay you might be 18 years old and you've said that well done mate you can never go and see your football club again because you've said something that appalling um is it that simple mike i just think it is more on the social media companies like especially twitter to just have that that verification um because ultimately what empowers them is the fact that it will never come back to them um, they feel that, yeah. that they can get away with it, that there's, there's, there's no identity and it's just an anonymous account. Um, but yeah, if you did have to put in that information, which, which people could track you down, um, I honestly feel like it would, it would drop by a lot. I mean, maybe some people just, just don't care and they just like, they are, they want to express their views regardless of if they can be tracked down or not. But I think the, the threat of either being, you know, uh, not being allowed to go to matches, of even imprisonment, of what, whatever it may be, fines, what, whatever the punishment is for the, for the crime. I feel like adding that layer, um, that if you did say something abhorrent like has happened, you would actually face punishment. Would like mm-hmm. solves half, like half of the problem. Obviously, the other half of the problem is is education, um, and you know, educating people as to why they can't say certain things and why that the history of it of of these terms and and what it actually means because some people might throw stuff around and they don't actually get the implications they don't they they don't understand they don't really know what people have gone through 
Um, and yeah, it really just did take the shine off it, to be honest, because as we yeah. all said, it was such a great summer for all of us. Um, and it really did just leave you feeling after the game, like instead of feeling, all right, lads, we, we sort of got there, we did well to get to the final. It was just this horrific abuse that definitely took the shine off it. So yeah, there's, there's definitely things that can be done moving forward, but it needs to be pushed through um, through government, really, doesn't it? And I, I, I don't know. I've, they've tried, but it's taken a long time. I think it'll take a lot longer. And it was it was basically goes back to to what you said there about education and and you know I've got two young boys and all I want to do is take them to watch loads of of football matches when they're older. I'm so excited about kind of reliving what I the experiences I had when I was growing up and watching football. Mm. But it mortifies me to think that they would be sat there even where we've got our season tickets at United, actually, there's people that sit behind us and some of the stuff they say is, isn't is great. It's not racist, but they're swearing and, and really, really crude about the players. So for that reason, it'll be a while before I can take my kids there. But a lot of that is part yeah. and parcel of, of football. Yeah. That's fine. People get passionate. I get that. But it's when people are passionate about being aggressive and racist that things need, you know, people need to be educated Um on what is acceptable and what isn't because do these people understand that that's unacceptable or are they just following the crowd that's what scares me um a lot yeah i think there's an element of that and i think there's an element as well mike says some of them don't care yeah um and some of them do believe that but it's a real it's a poisonous problem um and i think whatever it takes uh, you can have your say as well by the way rosehead pod on instagram or rosehead soccer on twitter look okay so we did need to talk about it. We're not going to be the ones who solve that problem, but we support any measures that are taken. I think that's yeah. absolutely clear. Um, but it is a comedy podcast, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was like really on my high horse then. I'm I, The second I whip out, and I've got two children, you know, that's when things are a game changer. You know, yeah, yeah. it's serious. Okay, but yeah, it's, it's lighthearted. But we did obviously need to cover that and discuss it. I think that was really important to do so. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, good. And we've done that. We've so done it. <laughs> um, that just reminded me, actually, Hannah, I was yeah. talking to a couple of my friends at the weekend and um, they fancy you having watched the videos on Instagram. I was, oh, I was so angry. Why are you so angry? <laughs> Why do you want them to fancy you? Yeah. I was like, what? What about my bits? Tell you what, after your bits. What literal bits? Or do you mean your bits on the podcast? I'm really confused, Joe, because it could go one way or the other. So, what do they look like? How old are they? Just give me their number. Uh, they're 82 um <laughs> they're both very very short-sighted but they're ever so keen <laughs> <laughs> listen i'm open to anything so uh, yeah still there pass on the deets pass on the deets a couple of tablets and half an hour and he's good to go don't you <laughs> i do not speak like that that is not my yorkshire accent and they're good to go i don't talk like that joe i don't speak like that right it is, of course, the summer. So the summer is dominated by one particular theme in football, and that is transfer tidbits. Mmm, tasty. Mm. It's so awkward to watch that mic, isn't it? I mean, I'm used to it, so... Uh, like a literal... For a <laughs> what, what the viewers can't see, unless obviously they watch our superb Instagram videos, is that I sort of did a little suck on the on the mic because in my head it's like you know the bit in lady in the tramp where they're slurping up the spaghetti that's what i'm doing yeah but you didn't look like that you're like licking the end of your microphone <laughs> and it just it just just it's just weird okay <laughs> i mean that's all that needs to be said uh, jada sancho is going to manchester united mm -hmm. wayne rooney's happy so 
he wants Jaden to come. Is Jaden going to be enough to win you the league? I'd say no. <laughs> well, he's he said today about the pressure that's going to put on Ole, isn't it, to to get some silverware? Um, I think it's exciting. On Ole now. <laughs> I think it's exciting for for United fans to get some fresh meat into the team. Um, Actualizing the podcast. Oh, it's <laughs> a weird way to put it, Anna. <laughs> no, it's fresh meat. That's that's maybe that's a Yorkshire phrase. You know, getting fresh meat in. I've never um, heard anyone on Sky Sports News. <laughs> go and some very exciting news Brentford have got some fresh meat in up <laughs> <laughs> but let's be honest none of us are kind of at the uh, the quality we're delivering I don't think it's Sky Sports-esque so it's okay for me to, to say that um but yeah that that was my take um I think it's exciting for United fans that we're getting some um new talent coming through it's just a case of waiting for the paperwork now isn't it and um we're good to go. I don't <laughs> I don't really know what's holding it up because it's done. Personal terms are agreed. I think there's like various appearance fees and stuff like that. That's yeah, but United love doing this, don't they? They do it all the time. You know, it's, they wait till the last minute. There's always a delay on the paperwork. That's, that's standard, isn't it? Do you remember, so this went right up to the early noughties, where transfer deadline day would be dominated by paperwork getting faxed? Yes. That, yeah. that was a thing. And it's like, surely in this day and age. But no, because <laughs> I remember... Dimitar Berbatov signing for Manchester United and it only went through on the, after the transfer window because Tottenham's fax didn't come through in time. How is that the technology? <laughs> like, surely they've got an app. They can just sign things on the phone and send it. Just WhatsApp me, innit? Yeah, innit? Innit, bruv? Yeah, send it. exactly. Yeah, ping me. <laughs> um, Mike, Leo Messi has re-signed for Barcelona with a big, fat, whopping pay cut. Do you, I mean, are you surprised? He was surely never going to go and play anywhere else was he no because the club is built around him isn't it but it would have been fun wouldn't it I mean last summer I think there was a sort of slim chance of it happening like maybe a reunion with with Pep at Man City or a big money move to PSG to reunite with uh, Neymar but it was was always going to happen I mean but realistically the financial mess that, that Barcelona are in he might be lucky to take half because he does take home a handsome sum in general doesn't he so well, also, he's got a clause in his contract, which is un- unbelievable work from his agent. And I need to get this going. He's got a clause in his contract where if he leaves after two years, he still gets paid until the end of the five-year contract. How do I get that? Well, he still like, gets paid the full sum of, of his contract. So he get paid the full sum, but they still have to pay him. But that's like, that's like, you know, when you're a football manager and you do rubbish and you get sacked and they have to pay you off. I've ne- that's yeah. mental. I've never understood that. When we do a bad job, which we've done frequently, and <laughs> Hannah, I'm not sure about you, but I've been fired from loads of things and nobody's ever paid me off. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've been, yeah, I don't, that's never happened to me. I've never been paid off, no. No? Have you been fired? Um, I haven't been fired. However, I'll tell you a little story. So I used to stick eyelashes on porn stars yeah. um, as a bit of a job. What? And, um yeah. This is real, Mike, by the way. This is real. So this, this is, is genuine. I'm, I'm yeah. gen- I don't make, make stuff up. So where I live, um, there is an industrial estate, which apparently I take my children to gymnastics class near there. Um, <laughs> but there's a, it's actually a hub for, for filming porn. So I used to get phone calls. I used to stick eyelashes on, individual eyelashes on to, to ladies um, to make them look really glam and stuff. I wasn't very good at it. So sometimes <clears throat> I'd stick their eyes to get eyelids together. But yeah, they, this guy used to come round, and um, and this guy used to come round and um, drop like Mitzi and Candice and all these ladies off. I mean, I don't think they were obviously that's like weren't their real names. Mitzi sounds like a cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was a feisty one. She had very large breasts. 
Um, and uh, she did. They were huge. When she was laid on the massage bed, I could put my whole fist in between her boobs and it wouldn't have touched any skin. They did were like so big. No, but it was something I thought about doing. And then I thought it'd be really weird if she did open her eyes. I mean, she wouldn't have been able to open her eyes because I'd probably stuck them together with the glue. But if she did, I mean, I could have... I could, it's like playing, you know, that metal game that you can put the, the loop through to get tasered. But yeah, anyway, so the point, the point of that was um, the guy said to me once, listen, if I can bring 10 girls to you, will you do it for a discounted rate? Now, for me, that's Joe's a win-win. So, <laughs> so yes, for me and Mike. Yeah, pre, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, my husband was all over working from home because these girls used to come to the house. Um, but yeah, if they were doing a webcam sesh though, and you couldn't see the face, they weren't so bothered about having the longer lashes, but I never really had the opportunity to sort of ask them what, what that entailed. But I think, I think now I've got a bit older, I understand. How did, um, how did this come about? Hannah? like, I'm really intrigued. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, so I, I moved, I finished my degree and I met my other half, moved to where he lived and I didn't actually have a, a, a job lined up. So I thought, how can I earn money quickly? Why don't I learn to stick eyelashes on people? the individual lashes. Wow. So I did a course for three days, got my insurance. And then that's what I started to do to get like 60 pounds an hour, uh, which was good money. That's uh, loads yeah, of money. It is. And that, this was years ago. So then, um, yeah, I used to, I took a bit of a pay cut to be able to do 10 girls in the same day. <laughs> you, have you remained friends with Mitzi or Candice or any of the others? Um, so we, we were friends on Facebook, but I think some of the pictures that they put up, I was like, it's slightly you know, inappropriate. I saw too much of them. Um, you don't really think of porn stars as having Facebook, but I suppose they do, don't yeah, they? Yeah. 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 It was wow. a, an unusual experience. But yeah, so yeah, sorry, I completely went off tangent on our football podcast about me sticking eyelashes on porn stars, but you know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, extraordinary. Um, so Liam Messi's got a new contract. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for him. Um Harry Kane, right? Nuno has said that he thinks Harry Kane is staying at Tottenham. Hannah, is he? Um, I, d- I don't know. I mean, probably. Say yes. Yeah, I think. No, I think he probably will. It's like we, we mentioned about um, about Messi, and it's a loyalty to a club. I feel he's got a lot of loyalty. Um, and you know, when we, we were talking, you know, Sk- uh, Giggs and Scolzi and Gerard, there's certain players I just think are ingrained to a club. So mm. would, would Harry Kane leave? Do you think he would? How do you think that would affect the perception of Harry Kane? How would you feel if he, if he did leave? I think he desperately wants to leave. Yeah. I think he and why do you think that is? Because uh, Tottenham are rubbish. So <laughs> I would you said say, it. <laughs> I would say his primary motivator is not only does he play for a rubbish team, but he plays for a rubbish team who won't pay him as much money as anyone else. So mm. it's a bit like we've tricked him for years and kind of, he's only just realized i don't have a problem with him leaving to be honest we've got a chronic lack of ambition and the club's been mismanaged for the last couple of years that being said i i mean we would be so bad if harry kane left because we don't have a very good team so if kane left we would be pretty rubbish um i know it's been said i just don't think anyone can afford him and i think if you're spending 100 million quid you're probably spending it on harland or someone like that who's just got a lot more left in the tank and doesn't have the injury problems that kane does that being said kane is going to get you 30 goals a season. If he's at City, mm-hmm. he's probably going to get you 40. Yeah. I think he's desperate to stay in the Premier League because he wants to break Alan Shearer's record. And to him, that would mean a lot and also being the England captain and that kind of thing. Mike, I'm guessing you're praying that Kane's going to leave so you <clears throat> can laugh. Yeah, I mean, that would be the end of Spurs, wouldn't it? Essentially, I don't really see how they could ever bounce back from losing like their best player of the last five, six, seven years. 
the best be... player to ever play for Tottenham, I would say. The best player ever? Yeah, he's, he's genuinely the best ever? player to ever play for Spurs. Like, well, I, there I, you I, go. There is no one better. Your, your, your best ever player, yeah. It'd be a huge blow. I mean, obviously, I'd absolutely love it. And if he came to Arsenal as well. Mike very kindly sent us a story a little bit earlier on about Zlatan Ibrahimovic mm-hmm. in his days at uh, Everton. And in his days at Everton, in his days at Ajax, I was thinking of Andy van der Maid, who's also in the story, who then went to Everton. Anyway, so Zlatan Ibrahimovic in his days at Ajax, when Andy van der Maid woke him up and Zlatan Ibrahimovic slapped him. That's right, isn't it, Mike? That is right, yeah. That's correct, good. Just wanted to fact check it. Did you read the rest of the story, by the way, where Andy van der Maeder was talking about being a drug addict and how David Moyes has ruined his life? I didn't get to that part. I was no, so intrigued what? by the beginning bit. But... I kept reading, and it was basically Andy van der Maeder going about how much he hates David Moyes, how David Moyes is a complete charlatan, he's ruined his life. Also, Andy van der Maeder now, even though he's, I mean, I'd say rather too portly to play football, said, I feel fitter than I've ever felt. So the implication is, he's still playing somewhere. He moved to Everton in 2003, I think. So good for you, Andy. Yeah, well, he's doing uh, all right for himself, isn't he? Yeah. But yeah, are we, gonna, are we going to get to the, the meat of the story with Zatan? Yes, we are. Give okay. me a minute. Let's go. <laughs> he wants the meat. He wants the meat. We want, want the meat. meat tonight. So Zlatan sleep slapped him before being slapped while he was asleep. Hannah, has anyone ever <laughs> overstepped the mark with you professionally? <laughs> Here we go. Oof. Um, no, I'm going to say no, not really. I've, I've no? Je- no, not, uh, not, I've, I thought you were meaning would, how would I feel if like Zlatan slapped me in my sleep? And I was like, oh, um, yeah, nobody, no, not in, ter- in work, work Who's terms. into that? <laughs> I mean, there was once when I was working on a channel and, um, a guy pulled his pants down and did a windmill, um, behind the camera to me. Joe, um, why'd you do that? Uh, like it was Joe Forrester. Um, and that, <laughs> uh, that made me, it. that made me like kind of question a little bit, um, my, uh, my job. Because <laughs> I was, you know, it was sort of like one o'clock in the morning. This, this, this was going on. Um, but apart from that, I, I don't think so. Well, but what are you going to say now, Joe? I'm nervous. What you're going to say? I've been propositioned a couple of times in my career, both mm. times by by guys, never by sexy ladies, sadly. So the first time, I'm going to say the name because I'll bleep it out. Was <laughs> he slid into my DMs, having seen me on the front cover of a local magazine? Really? <laughs> so I was on the front. I must have been about 23 and the Richmond magazine, because I just did my first series on Sky and the Richmond magazine asked me to do an interview. I didn't know I was going to make the cover. (laughs) And the cover is me in a pair of skinny jeans and a floral T-shirt saluting with the legend (laughs) Young, Gifted and Local. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I got a DM from saying something like oh look you're famous and i was like oh hi thanks do we know each other and he was like no but you're very handsome (laughs) do you ever think about working in sports and i was like yeah obviously i'd like to he's like oh well maybe we should meet up and chat about it then oh my god exactly so i i politely declined i'm seeing him in a different light I know, mate. And also, he's just so, he's just, you would not think no. that he's got kind of any sort of sexual avarice whatsoever. He looks like a geography teacher in an ill-fitting suit. So that might give you a clue. If I put this out. <laughs> the other time, and I think I'm allowed to say this because he's in quite a lot of trouble now, was by <laughs> It was my first ever interview on TV. I was at ITV2 and I'd been sent to do an interview with 
because I think him and his sister, this is all true, this is so weird, him and his sister had written a comic book or something and we had to go into a store in the West End and like he was sitting across a desk from his sister, I was sitting across and we had like two cameras on it kind of thing. And the whole way through the interview, he was making like weird suggestive comments. And because it was my first time on TV, I wore a shirt because I didn't know what to wear. So I went quite smart. And he was like, and he was like, oh, just stop, stop, stop. Let me just unbutton a few more buttons and started unbuttoning my shirt. So I like looked at the director and I was like, what? And he was laughing. But I was like 23 years old and this man was taking my shirt off. So, you know. How many buttons, Joe? I reckon he got to about three before I was like, that's enough now. Wow. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Is that sort of killed the conversation? Well, I was just, yeah, I mean, yeah, because I, I, I don't really want to say, as a female, I don't really want to say any of these these kind of things because, you mm. know, I wouldn't want to get anyone into trouble. But I did get a, a, a picture of um, a very well-known Premier League footballer with their pants on, um, on a beach, out of nowhere. Oh. Yeah. Can, can you yeah. give us some hints? No, I, I'm, cer- I'm certainly not going to say. Can you WhatsApp um, us after? Yeah, I'll send you the picture. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's impressive. No, no, I mean, I'm sorry, who? I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, um, that, was, that was a little bit weird. But that goes back to what we say. People think it's perfectly acceptable to kind of do that sort of stuff on social media, doesn't it? I mean, don't get me wrong, I'll send it around to the girls. But, obviously. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah, see, I'm happy to defame people on our podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. not like, I think probably got a better lawyer than us but we'll, we'll see you in court <laughs> no win no fee <laughs> and it did happen but then however i i actually got propositioned by my husband on a tv show so was he your husband at the time no so i met my husband on the tv show gladiators so um <laughs> that's that's actually genuinely how i met my oh, husband he was, what? So, so my husband was sorry i totally forgot this so obviously the tv show gladiators is quite mm-hmm. famous in in the uk anyway i don't know about uh whether it, in america i don't yeah. know it's like a total wipeout a ninja warrior that kind of thing that sort of vibe i was a contestant on the show ian wright was a presenter um and that he's the one that told me to get into tv presenting um but yeah my husband was a head trainer um on that show and that's actually how i met him and he was he was persistent um we kept like messaging obviously he was sat here and i'd be like i know i did it he did um he asked my number and i was like oh gosh i don't want because he could have lost his job if um if anyone found out um and then yeah here we are next week we've been married for 10 years Wow. Yeah. So he was an absolute sleazebag. But... And you've never done like any sort of gladiator bants in the bedroom. Just like, hello, ready. <laughs> you will go on my first wrestle. <laughs> get our sticks out. Yeah. We... <laughs> oh, trying to get out that travelator at the end. I'm oh, just too tired. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to go there with what, yeah, I'm just going to hold back. Yeah. But that's how wow. I'm yeah. going to say, I don't know if we can use this on the podcast, but this happened to me today, right? So I went to the doctors and as I walked, I went in and I sat down to the doctor and she was sort of typing on the keyboard and then she sort of looked quite serious and turned to me and went, right, so there's something wrong with the tip of your penis. <laughs> Literally like that. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. And she was like, hang on, what's your name? And I was like, Joe. She was like, oh, no, sorry. Wrong oh, no. This literally happened to me about four hours ago. And I was like, me and, me and the doctor were crying with laughter. It's oh, <laughs> like no. one, one of the best things for someone to open with. So there's something wrong with the tip of your penis. <laughs> and no, right now there's not. God. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that's so bad. That was I what? I sorry for the other guy. 
no, 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 that wasn't the receptionist. That was the doctor. But, oh, but okay. Mike, I, I'm with you because I thought, what's wrong with the tip of his the penis? poor guy. Like, <laughs> what could actually go wrong there? Like, I'm frightened now. Is that like just... thrush or something, maybe? It's just a little thrush. This <laughs> little thing every time we talk. Oh, no, Is that what you, stood, you stood there and waited for the next person to come sing that song. <laughs> just take the tablets, lad. <laughs> We've all been there. But on that note, things have really gone off a cliff, haven't they? Um, look, it's been brilliant fun as always. Hannah, thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Mike, thank you very much. Cheers, Joe. And don't forget, you can get in touch on Twitter. It's at Rosehead Soccer. On Instagram, it's Rosehead Pod. We'll see you next time. Bye.